Hey! 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 Cut it out! Story damn it, get out of the baptismal trough! This is not for playing around. It's for baptizing infants in the greasy call of the story. Now cut it out! Jeez. I don't know why I let Sister Callista tuck me into doing this children's service. Pastor Andrew, the future of the story is in every child's swollen hearts. Bullshit! Okay, don't throw me under the bus, pal. You're the one who brought up baptism during our clergy meeting last week. Remember? You said... Okay, the church is low on funds. How can we fleece the congregation? No, no, no. I have no recollection of that at all, because that didn't happen. I would never... Listen up, you little freaks! I'm only saying this once. The story must be told. <laughs> Maybe I didn't make myself clear. I said the story must be be told. Hey! 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 Look at me! The story must be told! The story must be told. <sighs> Brother Reed, oh, thanks story you're here. I'm beginning to lose my story damn marbles over here. Could use a hot crow crow right now if you get me. Gosh! It's just these tots, these infernal tots! Oh, the tots can be frustrating, that's for sure. But, Pastor Andrew... You seem a little more amped up than usual. Are you sure it's just the tots who are getting you all riled up? <laughs> I... I... well... of course! <laughs> well... No, it's not just the tots. It's... Hey! Hey! Get back here, Brandon Jr. It's... wow, I, I never thought I'd say this. I really miss Charles. Pastor Andrew... Think about what you're saying. Whoa, diggity! Well, I never thought I'd hear that. Yeah, and... Well, no offense, but... After your switchover, when Chalms became the new you, Brother Reed, and the old Brother Reed became the new Chalms... I know, I know. It's all very straightforward and not confusing. Makes sense to me. <laughs> it's, it's not confusing at all, but... I guess I have to get used to your new jet-black eyes and seemingly more sinister behavior, for lack of a better word. And Brandon Jr., I swear to story, I'm losing it! And no offense, Big BR, just I'm speaking my mind. <laughs> oh, I can't blame you. Sure, it must be unsettling for us to walk through the story's campus and have birds fall dead from the sky all around me. To have flowers wilt on sight. But I assure you, I'm the same old ch- uh, Brother Reed I've always been. <laughs> right. I just wish I knew where he went. I haven't seen him for two weeks. I miss the pitter-patter of his boy feet. I miss his terrifying games. I miss being but a pawn in his nightmare schemes. <sighs> if only I knew where he went. Oh, Pastor Andrew, I know where he went. <gasps> you do? Of course. He went back into the woods from whence he came. He didn't say if he'd be back or not. All he said was, Pastor <laughs> Andrew, 
<laughs> Story knows what that means. You don't understand charms anymore? I thought you were once... I'm Brother Reed now! Oh, <laughs> sorry, I forgot. And it's not that I'm confused. It's all very straightforward and not confusing. <laughs> Maybe this will cheer you up. Children, hear me and tremble. Brandon Jr., stop right where you are. Let's cheer Pastor Andrew up, shall we? Here we go. Choms, 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 choms. Now you try. Choms, 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 choms. No, 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 chomps, stop. Chomps, no, chomps, I don't like this. Stop. Chomps, stop, 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 no. Choms, 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 A reading from a book. Written by probably just one person, a little ditty called The Forgotten Man. The doors were locked. Still, the girl with sunken eyes pulled at the handle. The metal was worn smooth and edgeless where her hands held. How many times had she tried this? It had taken weeks to get here. Her calves ached and a stomach cramp doubled her over. She slid against the door to the ground. She hadn't eaten in so long, yet the place would not let her die. Perhaps even the resting home thought it was cruel to kill a child. The girl with sunken eyes was 14 years old. This was all she knew about herself, not even her name. Her memories of before were senseless snapshots. The smell of laundry, fields like a green checkerboard through the window of an airplane, a place called J.C. Penny. Loneliness was the clearest thing she recalled. It was like a cold fist squeezing her heart, yet she did not know what was gone. It was strange to miss something, someone she couldn't name. The resting home had that effect on memories. The girl with sunken eyes couldn't say how long she had been here. She hadn't aged, but had watched the building degrade, the residents waste away. She may have spent years as a 14-year-old. The girl's arm began to itch. It seemed odd to have a rash in a place like this, but she figured even eternity must have irritants. She itched every day, but never in the same spot. It was like the air attacked her. Moving was the only thing that relieved her. The girl forced herself to her feet, grit teeth against the pain, and made for the East Hall. The hallway was littered with moldy plaster, empty wheelchairs, and boarded rooms. The girl walked and walked. A hallway could last forever in the resting home. She had seen people beyond time, toes broken away, lost and yet always heading somewhere. She slowed as she noticed dark shadows filling the hall ahead. Wheelchairs clustered along the walls, full of weakly stirring bodies. Most of the residents weren't cognizant. Everyone in the resting home was a creature of neglect. Their clothes rotted away on their bodies, injuries never healed. But they could still be dangerous. The girl had to pinch her nose as she came within inches of a man with fingernail gouges all over his scalp. She passed a woman with sagging skin dotted in calcium deposits like toothy stalactites. In her weariness, she came too close for an instant. A hand darted out automatically, like a plant catching a fly. The woman grabbed a fistful of hair. The girl cried out in pain. The hand held strong. The longer she stayed caught there, the itches began again. With both hands, she clawed at the woman's fingers. The woman didn't notice. That was another difference between the girl and the residents. They never felt pain. 
The girl with sunken eyes fought the woman until she heard a sharp snap of bone. Then the grasp fell away. She did not look at the bent fingers, just covered her eyes and ran. She was alone again. The phantom loneliness stirred in her chest. It was worse today, suffocating her until it was all she could feel. She would make for the speaking room. She had to hear a human voice. Maybe someone would talk to her this time. There were only six rooms in the resting home. The speaking room was probably a games room once, but the games had rotted under the damp air. The residents sitting around collapsed tables instead spent their days speaking. Soft voices hummed in whispers. Angry shouts bounced from the walls. Others just meandered like a radio playing the news. People muttered here until they stopped. Their tongues dissolved or their jaw muscles wore down to threads. But if she caught someone new, and she waited. Sometimes they sensed that a person was present. They talk then, not just speak. There was a difference between the two. Two women sat across from each other at a card table, mouthing words to the air. He was just a stick of a thing. Ribs poking out. Never seen such a small coffin. I was always laughing. Even in bed. Gary would be in the kitchen and he'd hear me. Hear me laughing and laughing. At the window, a shirtless man in his 70s stared outside, shaking his head. You have to move, honey, he repeated. <laughs> They're gonna get you. The girl looked out the window. Outside, a solitary woman had fallen. Birds were pecking away at her exposed forearms, having finished her face. The girl paced the room until she heard a stronger voice amid the chatter. She approached an elderly woman with a jade brooch pinned over her heart. Can you talk? The woman's head tilted to the side, and she smiled at the girl. They had the nicest clothes I ever saw, and I wanted them. They never locked their windows because they thought the nettles would stop anyone, but they didn't stop me. I had Mama's scissors in case they woke up. She won't talk to you! The man watching the bird shouted. She had been wrong about him. He was a talker though she didn't like his tone. She might. Her voice is still strong. Yeah. The man walked away from the window. But she can't hear a thing. I'm the only one with any sense around here. He was small yet gaunt, one eye milky white, the other blue. He wore pants with a stripe down the side, and on his head the remains of some kind of official cap. A mailman, the girl with sunken eyes decided. How about you? Will you talk to me? The man just frowned at her and muttered something she could not hear. He returned to the window. She followed him, trying not to sound too eager. Please, we can talk about anything you want. I just... I need a friendly voice. She touched his wrist lightly, hoping to not scare him. He looked down at the hand. His eyebrows furrowed, and he looked away. I haven't felt that in years. He wrenched his mouth, a strange gurgle coming from deep within. Yes, yes. He's always... touching. Who is? She started to write the man off. He wasn't making sense. He could have touched you already right now, even. You wouldn't know. He wasn't right in the head. The girl tried to leave, but as she moved, he grabbed her wrist and held tight. He gets obsessed with people. Especially when they're alone. His fingers aren't what they used to be. 
He smiled with purple, empty gums. No, they broke and splintered like branches in a storm. Let go of me! You can't see him. He shook his head erratically. You can't see the forgotten man. He can't see you either. He lost his eyes long ago. The girl tried to pull away, but the man wouldn't let go. There were tears in his eyes, and his voice shook. Yet he was alert, speaking directly to her. Do you know the forgotten man? She tried to keep her voice from quaking. No, I don't know him. No one does! That's how he got his name. (laughs) Then the man laughed, and it was a decrepit sound. He might have been a man once, but we all forgot. I forgot him, you forgot him, and it got so bad, he forgot himself. Then the light forgot him! The light! (laughs) No, no one saw him, and he couldn't see. That's why he lost the eyes, not at first though. Years of solitude, decades of tears, until the eye meat withered. When the lens of his eye fell to the dirt, he didn't even notice. If he's forgotten, how do you know? You're just trying to scare me. The mailman grinned at her. It was difficult for his face to do. She had forgotten how alarming a human's attention could be, how you could shrink under a gaze. I felt him. I suffered his obsession. The man squeezed her wrist harder until it hurt. He had never been so alive. His voice was powerful now. With the other hand, he poked her hard in the shoulder. Ow! You don't need light to feel! No, no, so the forgotten man touches. He prodded her sharply. He touches his favorites. Oh, he's curious, curious for our skin, our eyes. He's jealous. (laughs) He laughed harder, and a crimson chunk of something internal slid out of his mouth. He touched so much, his fingers broke. They fell away bit by bit. His fingers aren't what they used to be. No, no, little nubs. He prodded her, but with a knuckle. And he grew weak. Now? Why, his touch is just a whisper. He barely grazed a finger over the back of the girl's hand, and her skin itched. She knew this kind of itch. She stifled a cry. I'm done with you! You're a disgusting old man, and you shouldn't scare little girls! She fought against his grip, scratched his skin. He didn't feel the pain. He's here! The power seemed to leave him then. His eyes were turned to the window. When you think you're alone, he's touching. When you fall asleep and you feel an itch on your foot, a scratch on your nose, a brush of wind in your hair, that's him. I suffered his love, his obsession. I was never free. He was always on my mind. And that's what he wants? (laughs) The mailman started crying. A constant stream like a leaking dam. Because if you think about him, if you remember him, he comes back. If only for a second. The light remembers him, and then you see. You see him. And do you know what you see? 
Her skin seemed to crawl, and she couldn't help but imagine a pale, translucent hand, capillaries like spiderwebs, fingers healed over bits like polished stones, rubbing over the nape of her neck. <laughs> you see where his eyes used to be? And then he let go. The girl fell to the ground. The man breathed hard, his eyes losing focus. So, what does he look like? The man didn't answer, just wrenched his mouth and made a strangled sob. <coughs> As though he had never spoken at all, he turned away. He watched the woman outside. The birds had taken her forearm, but she would not so much as turn. Gotta move, honey. <laughs> They're gonna get you. The girl backed away. She returned to the hall, breath cold in her chest. The mailman was far from sight, yet she could feel his gaze. They were not his eyes. Maybe they weren't eyes at all. A spot on her stomach, just above her belly button, itched. She ran. Weeks went by. For a while, the girl with sunken eyes convinced herself it was all a lie. Yet the thought wouldn't leave her, unwanted but pernicious. She pictured the hand scratching at the back of her legs, imagined where the eyes used to be. She kept moving, running and running until exhaustion took her. She fell to a pile and lay there, waiting. A minute passed. Then slowly, one at a time, single hairs on her head moved. A cold air blew over her cheek, and something like an insect's leg scraped across her eyelid. There was no imagining that. She felt it. She screamed. No one in the hall took notice. She kicked, she scratched, but hit nothing. She calmed down. Then the bridge of her nose itched. The girl with sunken eyes walked for days. She may have slept on her feet, she couldn't tell. The image of the forgotten man solidified in her imagination. A picture compiled from every touch, every shiver of spine, and sick twist of stomach. He was bony and angular, long limbs like crab legs, so he hovered low to the ground, crawling on all fours. She could see how pale his skin was, how taut and papery, smell his rancid breath. She heard muted gasps from a gaping red mouth, and the eyes, the skin healed over like they were never there. He became her worst nightmare, and the thought of him became addicting. She had been walking the West Hall for weeks. She had walked so much she was afraid her bones might break from the stress. But this fear was secondary to the fear of the forgotten man. The more she dwelled on the fantasy, the more she itched. She could now feel the cold of him, a chill like ice pressing into her palm, squeezing over her fingers. She fell one day and couldn't get back up. She saw an eternal walker pass her by, saw his broken toes and skinless soles. How long until her feet were like those? I can't keep running, she said to no one, and she cried. The itches returned. They practically shoved her, shook her arms. She didn't want to rise, but she couldn't endure the fantasies. They were getting stubborn. She was on her feet again, tears running down her cheeks. As she walked, a plan formed in her mind. She needed doors. The basement appeared at the end of the hallway rather soon after the plan came to the girl with sunken eyes. She almost thought the resting home had heard her, supplied her with what she needed. How strange that the place trapping her could seem considerate. The basement was where the oldest residents lived. They didn't move. 
A breathing corpse lay across the dank threshold of the boiler room, skin sloughing from the bone so it pooled in his maintenance uniform. Others were just bone, chests still rising and falling, collapsed organs wheezing where gravity had compiled them in meaty puddles. The girl stepped carefully around these piles so as not to disturb anyone. There were doors everywhere down here, and unlike the apartments, they were not boarded up. This was her plan. She would let the forgotten man catch her. She would let him, her stomach groaned at the thought, touch her. Then she would kick, claw, bite, and she would run. She'd find a room, and then she would hide. Maybe he'd lose her. And if he didn't, she hadn't thought that far yet. Maybe she could lock him inside. The center of the basement contained the filing cabinets, and all the files of residents turned to wet pulp, spilling from broken drawers. She leaned on her side against one. If she stayed on her feet, she could run faster, do more damage. She waited. Seconds passed. She felt nothing. Nothing. She began to sweat. Why was he taking his time? Had she already lost him? She had never waited for his whispers of touch, never timed him. The expectation was agony. She began to imagine, truly imagine, fingers on her skin. Every sensation on her body was amplified. The thought occurred to her that this wasn't real, that she had imagined the whole thing. That stupid mailman, if she saw him again, she'd... Then she heard it. A soft sound like a stick dragging on concrete. Then it turned wet. She slowly spun her head behind her and saw a puddle of paper mush covering the ground outside the room and in the center. She spun her head back and felt sick at once. No one had been there, but the air was disturbed, like a standing heat wave moving slowly over the mound of paper. The wet slide turned back to the skittering scrape across the concrete. She felt cold, and the loneliness bit into her heart. You're alone, she thought it said. No one will help you. She would not look, but she heard. The sound came closer and closer. Then it stopped. Silence. The hem of her shirt seemed oddly sharp about her waist. Slowly, the pressure increased. Then it tugged. She bit her tongue, desperate not to scream. Not yet. Across the back of her knee, she felt it. It was no imagined touch. It was the cold grip of a fingerless hand. She screamed then, as loud as she could. She kicked and found nothing, and then she stomped. This time, her foot hit something firm. She kicked again and heard a bony crunch. The girl with sunken eyes shoved the standing blur and heard it crash against the cabinet. She sprinted. For once, the pain in her legs was gone, and all she knew was adrenaline and panic. She ran down past storage rooms and electrical rooms and pipes and crumbling brick, and it took all her power to slow down. She had to move quietly. The pain returned as she came to a halt. The girl quickly unlaced her shoes and slipped them off at the heel. Shoes in hand, she walked on her toes down the rest of the basement hall and found two offices across from each other, both with the doors open. As quietly as she could, the girl entered the darker of the two and closed the door. In the dark, the faint basement light illuminated a strip under the door. She backed into the corner and hid. If she heard the forgotten man enter the opposite office, she would try to sneak out of her room and lock him inside it. If he came in this room, the girl would try to hide. If he found her, she'd attack him again. 
Together, they would find out if nothing in the resting home really died or not. She waited. Minutes passed, then she heard the sound outside. Whatever dragged on the concrete was heavier now, the pace slower. The girl kept her sunken eyes trained on the small band of light. Just as she reminded herself the man could not be seen, a shadow crossed it. The shadow grew larger, larger. The knob turned, and it turned. It rattled. The knob spun and then released. Hollow thuds fell on the door. One, two, three. The shadow decreased and faded towards the other door. The man gave up. Of course, the girl realized, doorknobs aren't exactly easy when you don't have fingers. Silent as she could, the girl climbed to her feet and placed her hand on the doorknob. She took a deep breath, and in one motion, she ripped the door open, ran, and shoved. Before she could close her eyes, she saw a solid mass in the air. It was mostly yellow and white like faded bone, but that was not what caught her attention. She saw two black, empty holes in a tiny skull, and nothing had ever terrified her so much. She could see nothing else except where the eyes used to be. The forgotten man crashed into the other office. The girl with sunken eyes caught her balance and rushed to the threshold. She slammed the door shut as hard as she could, but it did not close. The man's white, skin-taut hand was caught in the gap. The fingers were missing. The once invisible figure cried in tremendous pain. It was a strange, but pathetic sound like a waterlogged whistle, a drowning flute. She had expected something deeper, stronger. The girl opened the door slightly, kicked, and then slammed it shut. She backed away. The knob rattled, but it never turned. She started running. She could make it back to the hallway, maybe back to the entry room, lose him forever. And yet, she kept turning back. She watched the office door at the end of the basement, waiting for it to open. It didn't. Had it really been this simple? Could her nightmare be defeated by a doorknob? The girl with sunken eyes began to walk away when it struck her. The forgotten man had cried out. There was no mistaking the sound. He felt pain. Nothing here feels pain, she said, yet she knew that was wrong. She felt pain, and so did the forgotten man. The residents had hurt her, couldn't stop themselves. Yet for all the forgotten man had touched, he had never caused her pain. It occurred to the girl with sunken eyes that she still had not truly seen the man, only the place his eyes should have been. But even in her brief glimpse, she could see he was not what she had imagined. There were no long, angular limbs, no red, gaping mouth. She could not believe herself, but she returned to the shut door. The knob no longer turned. She heard nothing inside. Quietly, she opened the door and peered within. There, curled in the corner, was the forgotten man. His head was turned, arms tucked in. He was smaller than she had imagined and not near so frightening. She regretted every kick, every shove, the slamming of the door on his hand. The forgotten man was not a man. He was a hairless, shivering child. He was pale, skin as translucent as tissue paper. Oh. He turned at her sound. His mouth had shrunk to a small collection of pinholes in a line, 
and his eyes were gone, but no skin had taken their place. She could see the outline of vertebrae twist down his back, count his ribs. He was confused, his hairless face turning this way and that, mouth moving but nothing coming out. For all the terror she had felt, the guilt that overwhelmed her now was worse. She knelt by his side. Hello. He stirred then. He tried to cower away, so the girl took his hand. She put the faded thing in her palm, and his nubs made their signature little itches along her fingers, cold flesh trying to hold on. All this time, he had been trying to hold her hand. The girl hugged him. He yelped in his shrill whistle and fought her. She let go at once. How long had it been since he was embraced? Had he ever been? It was then that she saw his socks. Scraps though they were, the top portion remained like a sweatband. They were orange, striped black like a tiger, with a pair of lazy cartoon eyes hovering at the top. <laughs> Garfield. The boy perked up at the word. The girl laughed. <laughs> it's funny what I still remember from the world before. He stared at her without eyes. She tried to look at him, but she had to turn away. It upset her. H how long have you been here? She didn't mean to choke on the words. He didn't have to answer her. She could see it in his decay. It was suddenly clear to the girl with sunken eyes. He felt pain. He was a child from the world she too had left. He was what she would become, given enough time. Perhaps he was worse. He still had the look of a six-year-old, despite the decades, maybe centuries he had spent here alone. Too young to help himself. She cried, and he heard the sound. He put his eroded hand to her cheek and felt the tears. From his empty sockets, water welled, only enough to glisten in the holes. Do you have a name? She couldn't tell if the boy knew what words still meant. Do you have a name? He tried to speak, but stopped. The glimmer of light in his sockets grew larger, his paper chest heaving and shoulders hunching. Shh, it's okay, it's okay. She shushed him until he calmed. I can give you a name. It was then a memory returned to her from the time before. She was dressed in stiff, dark clothes. She was very uncomfortable, and everyone around her was sad. She heard three words over and over, all around her like echoes. I'm sorry, were two of the words, and the other... I'll call you Adam. He calmed at the word. Let's get up, Adam. We should go somewhere cleaner. The girl with sunken eyes stood and helped the boy up by the hand. It had been so long since she had to help someone, the tenderness returned to her slowly. She led the way until she saw the source of the scraping sound he made. He dragged a foot behind him, the toes eroded, the top rubbed off like the tip of an eraser. She made him stop walking with a hand to his cold shoulder. Up. She held out her arms. An instinct returned to him, a phantom habit recalled from another world. He put his hands high in the air, one on either side of the girl's head. She hooked her arms under his and picked him up. He wrapped around her, head on her shoulder. He was so light, like a stack of balloons. They walked down the hall, and it was not so endless as it was before. In no time, they walked through the atrium, then the dining room. People did something strange. In their wheelchairs and in their piles on the floor, their heads turned to the pair. The girl had never experienced this. They paid attention. Eyes seemed to connect with her own, and frightened faces saw her, saw Adam, 
and for an instant seemed to know where they were. They see you. They all see you now. They were in the entry room after just 30 seconds in the East Hall. The resting home had the dimensions of a physical place, its eternity for just this little while forgotten. The girl didn't need to think. She knew exactly what to do. She walked to the locked doors, rearranged the child to free an arm, and pulled the door open. I didn't forget you. And they walked outside. The story must be told. Dear congregants, Pastor Andrew had to <laughs> take a little break and is recovering in the rectory. I guess my plan to make him feel better only made him feel worse. Shoot, I've never seen a man go gray at the temples from fright. Anyway, let's finish up what we came here for. Brandon Jr., it is time to baptize you in the name of the story. Yeah, yeah, come on up. Once you're baptized in the grease, you're baptized in story true. Your very own story will be waiting for you. It will sneak up on you when you least expect, like a thief in a shopping mall. <laughs> Are you ready? Uh... Good enough for me. Now join me, dear congregants, in a story chant while I splash this young tot in our trough of grease. Chomps! 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 That was a story must be told. We're proud to be hosted on the Last Podcast Network, and I stumbled upon an abandoned shack last night. Ooh, boy. I know that you know that the story must be told is on YouTube. So why haven't you checked us out yet? We're at youtube.com slash the story must be told, and there is a whole family of skeletons sitting at the table. Looks like they just sat down to dinner. By golly, we got great videos for you with even more to come. Meet our congregation, learn about the story, and gain wisdom from some beloved characters. I found it pretty funny. I took some skelly selfies. Oh, what fun. Oh, but boy, was I mistaken. Give the videos a watch, like, and subscribe to our channel. And as I turn to go, Mama Skelly grabbed my arm. Oh, man, that bony grip will get you. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TSMBTPod, where we'll also share those juicy, greasy videos. Just do it. You'll be glad you did. I had no choice but to sit with that family. Serve me up a good help in a tibia soup, Papa Skelly. We'll be back with a new story for you in two weeks, and I'll still be here. But don't come find me or you'll be next. Boo-boo, bone-bone. And if you're listening, congregants, if this is the outro, please buy some shirts and we can come see you. We can come fucking see you. And and then wear the shirt when you see us. (laughs) Then you'll be the king of shirts. The story must be told. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Yeah!